This UCSD TV program is presented by University of California Television. Like what you learn? Visit our website or follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest programs. We are the paradoxical eight. Bipedal, naked, large-brained, long the master of fire, tools, and language, but still trying to understand ourselves, aware that death is inevitable, yet filled with optimism. We grow up slowly. We hand down knowledge. We empathize and deceive. We shape the future from our shared understanding of the past. Carta brings together experts from diverse disciplines to exchange insights on who we are and how we got here. An exploration made possible by the generosity of humans like you. So I study ice cores, and uh, I am just an armchair admirer of the people who study uh, evolution of humans. So I'm very pleased to be invited here, and I hope I can contribute uh, something. My outline is that first I'll take a little sort of digression away from the topic of human evolution just to give you some uh, background on what's happening right now and how... For example, do we know that humans are causing the current climate change? And then I'll talk about the, the observations made by many other people, not myself, that um, agriculture seems to have originated precisely when we had the, the most recent of these abrupt climate change events, 11.7 uh, thousand years ago. Some, some people call that the end of the Younger Dryas period. And it's really uh, quite a stunning coincidence, and it probably isn't a coincidence. Many people now believe that the warming and the wetting allowed uh, humans to switch from a hunting and gathering mode of existence to an agricultural uh, mode of existence. And then I'll go on to talk about um, abrupt climate change itself and, and what causes it. I'll tell you the punchline, which is that we think it's the switching on and off of ocean circulation. And I'll wrap up with the question, will it uh, happen again in the future? So my little digression, the smoking gun of human causation. I love this diagram, and you don't see it in the media uh, very often. 
And I, I think it's, it's just a shame that we don't because it really is a, a very powerful uh, form of evidence. And if someone asks you if you believe in global warming, you should say no because it's not a matter of belief, it's a matter of evidence. So this is from the ice cores, I'm proud to say. This is my field of ice core science. We know from the bubbles trapped in ice cores that CO2 in the atmosphere was at about 280 parts per million for most of the last thousand years. And then right around the time of major uh, coal burning, that around 1850, it started to creep up. And so here we are today at 400 parts per million. And at the same time, this rare isotope of carbon that Peter Domenical introduced to you, carbon-13, in the atmospheric CO2 from a change from a very stable value. Don't worry about these units. And, and it started taking a nosedive, and that's the signature of fossil fuel burning. If the CO2 was coming from the ocean, which is the major natural source of CO2, it would not have done this. It would have been flat. So this really is the smoking gun. You can say that uh, with great, great confidence. And of course, there's a lot of other lines of evidence, but I, I like this one in particular. The other thing that you can do if you're confronted by someone who doesn't buy this argument <clears throat> that you know CO2, how do we know that CO2 actually causes climate change? You can look to our neighbor uh, Venus, which has about 3,000 3, times more CO2 in its atmosphere than, than our planet. And it has a surface temperature of 450 degrees centigrade, which is hot enough to melt lead. So uh, it's basically a combination of Venus, uh, basic physics that tells us that CO2 traps heat, and these undisputed uh, measurements of CO2 concentration and its isotopes. Those three things taken together pretty much sums it all up. Everything else is kind of details. We know that uh, humans are embarking on a dramatic uh, ch uh, future change of climate. It's, it doesn't really matter that much what's happened up until now. I mean, asking whether the Earth is warming or not is kind of like driving towards a cliff and asking, are we dropping yet? You know, it's, it's not really that interesting a question, actually. <laughs> and while I'm on the topic, um, of smoking guns, this is a very famous picture that many people have seen, the CO2 concentration from ice cores, and here we are today at 400, so you see it is quite unusual in the context of the last 800,000 years, which is the, the whole ice core uh, record. I'm, I'm working on trying to extend this back to 1.5 uh, million years, and you can ask me about that later if you want. But the important thing about this, that this is not the smoking gun of human causation. There's been an awful lot of confusion about this. Uh, Al Gore, bless his heart, I think kind of led us down the wrong path by implying that this was some kind of evidence for uh, that CO2 causes climate change. In fact, it's mostly the other way around that, that uh, Antarctic temperature is related to the things that control natural variations in CO2. And the current uh, CO2 spike has nothing to do with these variations. It's not coming from the ocean, as you saw from the carbon-13 evidence is coming from fossil fuel. It's a completely different chemical, in fact. So if somebody gives you a hard time about the fact that the CO2 uh, changes uh, slightly after the, the temperature, you can tell them that's expected because it's natural CO2 and it's responding to climate. It's not causing climate 
And a related myth is that the ice core record that you've just seen shows that carbon dioxide rose after temperature began warming at the ends of ice ages, which is true. That's why it's in black. Ergo, carbon dioxide does not cause warming, which is false. The fact is that ice ages are ended by the changes in the Earth's orbit, as you heard earlier today. So it's not surprising that the temperature changes first. And you can think of CO2 as a feedback that amplifies the initial warming by about 30% probably. It's not a huge, it's not actually a huge uh, increase. It's maybe, you know, two degrees bigger of a change than, than you would have gotten otherwise. So humans are adding CO2 directly to the atmosphere, and so ice ages are not a good analog. It's a red herring. And just, I couldn't resist showing this because it's such a nice analogy. If you overspend your credit card, you go into debt, then you have to pay interest, right? And then it makes more debt. Okay, so interest lags debt. How do we know that interest adds to debt? We can't explain the total size of the debt without taking into account interest, and also economics tells us. And climate of the past now, we have the Earth's orbit causing warming, making CO2 rise as the ocean uh, warms and outgasses CO2, and that causes further warming as an amplifier. Okay, so that's the, the whole end of story about uh, human-caused climate change. Now I'm going to move on to this idea that the first um, evidence for agriculture uh, was seen during this abrupt warming. So this is a, a fascinating uh, topic, and it was mostly, I think, the work of Brian Baird, who used to be here at UCSD, you know, who discovered that the very, very first domesticated uh, plants, I think they were barley uh, seeds, actually, um, were occur within plus or minus 200 years of this abrupt warming event right here. Seeing it, this is actually the Greenland temperature, but it's a, a lot of the northern hemisphere European temperature as well. And then this is a, a methane, atmospheric methane record from the ice core, and it seems to be a proxy for wetness. So there's a great deal of increase in, in northern hemisphere low latitude rainfall at this time. And this all happened in about 30 years. These are very fast events. There was about, about half of the temperature change, change seems to have occurred in one year. So these are the kinds of things that, that could impose very large uh, stresses on uh, humans potentially because it's not, there's not enough time to adapt. And so what's amazing about this is that people seem to have completely changed uh, in a very short time, their, their mode of existence from uh, hunting and gathering uh, to farming right here. And it, it's probably because everything got so much uh, warmer and wetter that it was just really lush. Think about the Garden of Eden, okay? So that's probably sometime in here. We don't know whether it was 8,000 years or 12,000 years, whatever. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, that was a, a, an example of abrupt climate change that probably greatly benefited our ancestors. Uh, of course, when, when it's cooling, it's drying as well, and that would be a period of intense stress, and there were probably uh, population bottlenecks at the time. And those may be very important for evolution, because if you kill off 97% of the humans and the, you just leave 3%, those will have uh, characters that... Uh, will then be able to spread widely without having to exchange with um, a large gene pool. And so you can get very powerful uh, evolutionary change through these bottlenecks. 
And what's remarkable about these abrupt events is they happen again and again. There's not just one of them. There's 25 of them in the last 100,000 years. And probably, you know, something like 20 in the, in the, the 100,000 years before that. And so all, all told, our ancestors probably went through at least 100 of these bottlenecks. So it's a repeated form of, of boom and bust. And, and uh, William Calvin had a very nice uh, book about this kind of boom and bust uh, evolutionary uh, pumping hypothesis. I'm going to switch now to talk about the, the physical science understanding that we have about abrupt climate change, what causes it in the first place. And as I hinted at the beginning, it's something to do with ocean circulation. Warm water at the surface in the North Atlantic is carried by currents to a, this place around Greenland where it becomes cold and dense enough to sink. And then it travels southward uh, you know, along the bottom of the ocean. And what this seems to do is it actually displaces the Earth's thermal equator uh, north of the geographic equator. And so the northern hemisphere today is quite a bit warmer than the southern hemisphere. And um, we believe that from theory and evidence that this circulation is capable of shutting off. And so that's what a, a cooling is. And when it turns back on, that's what an abrupt warming is. And so this is kind of what the paleo records look like of this phenomenon of shutting on and turning on and shutting off the North Atlantic circulation. In northern records, you see abrupt warmings at the, the times when the circulation goes on. And in, in the southern hemisphere, this is Antarctica, you actually see a, a, a gradual warming during times when the north is cold and then a, an inflection point towards uh, cooling, uh, gradual cooling. Um, in, the, in the south. And this is um, very strong evidence that this really is the ocean circulation. This is from a, a very recent uh, ice core we drilled that ju just finished and we got published in, in Nature uh, a few weeks ago. And th this is the, one of the main findings from this ice core is that be because we can now date the, the two hemispheres relative to each other to precision of about 50 years, we can show that the, the northern abrupt warming leads the southern transition to cooling, which is shown here, by about 200 years. And that's very interesting because that, that really confirms that this is the ocean circulation that is doing this. So I think it, it's a, the latest in a long line of uh, pieces of evidence that support the notion that the, it is this ocean circulation sort of oscillating and flipping on and off that does this. Will it happen again in the near future? Is an abrupt climate change something we have to worry about? Well, you may have seen the, the movie the, the Day After Tomorrow. And that, so it's something that's permeated into the public consciousness. But I think the answer is um, probably not. And the reason I say that is that the Atlantic Ocean is getting saltier today. In the last 50 years, it's increased its salinity dramatically. You can sort of see that in this cartoon here. The Atlantic is all yellow, which uh, is an increase in salinity. The Pacific has a lot of blue, and that means sort of a decrease in salinity. So what's going on right now is that the Atlantic is getting saltier, the Pacific is getting fresher, and that's exactly what we expect to happen in a warming world because warm air holds more water vapor. And so it's possible to transport more vapor out of the Atlantic uh, into the, the Pacific across Panama, you see here. And so, so basically, whenever the world gets warmer, the Atlantic gets saltier. And the salt actually densifies the water, makes it easier to sink. And it actually protects that circulation. So 
So while there was some worry maybe 15 years ago that the uh, Atlantic circulation would shut down due to global warming, I think we can say now uh, we've learned something, science moves on. Um, it is now very unlikely that this will happen again. And the other thing, of course, is that um, we don't have the amplifying factor of, of sea ice. Sea ice makes the, the ocean turn from dark to white, and so it greatly exacerbates the, the effects of the uh, overturning circulation shutting off. So my take-home messages, I uh, hope I've convinced you that abrupt climate change uh, did stimulate uh, farming, and uh, it's a very, very interesting story that's only just uh, beginning to be understood. It's very probable that many, many abrupt climate changes prior to this one that stimulated farming uh, played a role by creating bottlenecks that, that made uh, the survivors of this event um, able to, to radiate out um, into an empty niche after the event. Um, and very, very probably, I think, also in, uh, encouraged people who could do things differently than their parents were, were doing them. And, and as I have some kids who are becoming teenagers, I know a lot about this sort of oppositional, don't do what your parents were doing kind of stuff. And I just wonder if maybe, the, maybe the, that teenager kind of thing has its origins in abrupt climate change. <laughs> Because, you know, if, if your parents are telling you to eat fruit and the climate just crashed and you say, well, I'm, I do things differently than my parents. I'm going to eat roots instead of fruits. Well, you might be the one who actually survived because you're a root eater. So I'm just wondering if maybe these population bottlenecks somehow encouraged uh, sort of contrarian thinking, you know, sort of um, Atlantic Ocean... Overturning circulation is the culprit, I think, we can say now, that causes abrupt climate change. Will it happen again in the future? Probably not. <clears throat> That's one thing we can breathe easier about. Check that one off the list. More salt, uh, less sea ice in our future. Thank you.